Good evening and welcome to Uptempo Sports 24-7 with Coach P. And let the money frenzy spending begin in the NFL. That's right, folks. It is definitely open season for free agency spending in the NFL. And it starts at the quarterback position. So let's get started talking about the money that's going out the window to prospective quarterbacks. And the first quarterback that we want to speak about is none other than one Jimmy G, formerly of the San Francisco 49ers. I have not seen a quarterback who gets so much criticism, so much publicity for always being hurt, but is always able to cash a check. And once again, someone decides to pony up money to Jimmy G, as now he's going to take his talents across the bay into Sin City, that is Las Vegas, the Raiders. As Jimmy G will join his former offensive coordinator, Josh McDaniel, with the Raiders as he signs a three-year, $67.5 million deal to be the new starting quarterback replacing Derek Carr. $34 million of that is guaranteed. Now, am I surprised that Jimmy G... Signed with the Raiders? Absolutely not. This was a destination landing spot for one Jimmy Garoppolo. If you know the history of Jimmy G and Josh McDaniels, I don't think there was ever a possibility that Aaron Rodgers was coming to the Raiders, even though Devontae Adams was definitely trying to recruit his former quarterback on. It just made more sense. Once Derek Carr left the building, unless the Raiders were going to draft the quarterback, that they would go after Jimmy G because of his relationship with Josh McDaniels in New England. He knows the offense. If he can stay healthy, he can be effective. We've seen that. The problem is the best ability is availability and Jimmy G is often not available. So do I think this is a three year Marriage, no. I think it's more like year to year, more so like more of a two-year deal with a third year as an option. And depending upon what the Raiders do in this draft, do they draft a quarterback? I think they select at number seven, if I'm not mistaken. Do they take a quarterback at number seven or do they use that pick to help either on the offensive line or on their suspect defense do they go get a defensive star or i should say do they get a defensive rookie that can become a star to help solidify one of the weakest spots on their defense which is that defensive line or their secondary we shall see but like i said the money was raining down for quarterbacks as jimmy g exit san francisco's door in comes sam donald from the Carolina Panthers with the Panthers now sitting at the number one slot in the upcoming 2023 NFL draft 
Sam Donald no longer has a place at their table. So now he is going to be the backup quarterback in San Francisco with potentially an opportunity, depending upon if Trey Lance is healthy, he could be the starting quarterback by the time we get ready for camps to open up. He signs a one-year deal with the 49ers. We're going to come back to San Francisco and talk about their quarterback situation a little bit further. We're going to talk about the Miami Dolphins. We've already seen the Dolphins in full effect um, with the signing of Jalen Ramsey. Now they solidify uh, a backup quarterback position. Mike White, formerly of the New York Jets, goes to Miami on a two-year $16 million deal. Mike White, we saw what he did with the Jets last year in a few starting appearances. Mike McDaniels, I'm sure, like what he saw. Mike White is a athlete. He can make plays with his legs and his arm. So it's going to be interesting to see what he does as a backup to Tua Tagovailoa. And if he will get an opportunity, if Tua can't stay healthy, to come in and possibly start. We just told you Jimmy G is on his way to the Raiders. Well, Jared Stidham, who was with the Raiders and started the last game of the year, is now on his way to the Mile High City. He's going to join Sean Payton as the backup to Russell Wilson in Denver on a two-year, $10 million deal. This I find pretty interesting. They go get a quarterback who was in a system who was in a system that was familiar to him with the Raiders under Josh McDaniels. He leaves that level of comfortability and he heads to another offensive-minded quarterback slash now head coach in Sean Payton. I think what you're going to see what's going on with Denver is that they're doing a total, total remake of not only their offensive line, but their total team. Because they signed Jared Stidham as the backup to Russell Wilson. But they also were busy with getting help for Russell Wilson up front. They signed former offensive guard from the Baltimore Ravens, Ben Powers. And they also signed Mike McGlitchey from the San Francisco 49ers on a five-year deal to shore up that uh, right tackle position. So... Sean Payton, the offensive genius that he is, he realizes that Russell Wilson needs all the help that he can get. So not only does he give him two promising offensive linemen up front, he gives him a young backup quarterback that he, meaning Sean Payton, can tutor and also somebody that Russell Wilson can also help in this new system that they'll be under with Sean Payton. So Denver is making moves. Sean Payton is definitely giving you the the blueprint for what he expects coming in to this season in 2023. That if Russ is going to be successful, he knows that it starts up front and there's not going to be any excuses. There won't be any excuses with Sean Payton, folks. Either Russell Wilson is still Russell Wilson that we know or 
they're going to be moving on from Russell in the next couple of years. So we look based on what we see now. Of course, everything is just based on what's on paper. But looking at what the moves they've made in day one is honestly telling you that Sean Payton understands that in order for Russell to be successful, it has to start up front. You solidify the offensive line, then you can get this ground game going. And then if you have the ground game going, then you can now let Russ cook. You can let Russell Wilson does what he does in regards to being able to utilize his legs, putting him in motion, throwing the ball. But you've got to get the strength of your team established, and that is with that offensive line. So we see that. Now we're hoping to see if they can solidify that running game. Remember, their um, stud running back from North Carolina, Javante Williams, towards ACL towards the end of the season last year. They moved on from Melvin Gordon. And so it's going to be interesting to see if they decide to pick up another running back in free agency or through this upcoming 2023 NFL draft. We also want to talk about another quarterback that is going to get paid, and that is Jameis Winston. The New Orleans Saints decided to resign Jameis to a one-year deal for $8 million. That means that Andy Dalton will be looking for a new home, possibly in another position where he'll be a tutor to a young quarterback, maybe someone like the Washington Commanders, or be looking at someone like a Andy Dalton if they don't resign Taylor Heineke. Uh, in his stint as a starting quarterback last year for New Orleans in, in place of Jameis Winston, Andy Dalton threw for 18 touchdowns and nine interceptions. But at this particular juncture of his career, he is a spot player. He is not a full-time starting quarterback, in my opinion, in the NFL any longer. But if you need him to come in and to solidify your backup position, I think that's what he would be good at, as well as mentoring a young quarterback. So I look to see someone like the, like I said, the Washington Commanders. That would be a good spot for Andy Dalton to land in. But we know that Jameis Winston will be a backup to Derek Carr for the upcoming season. Yesterday, when we gave you a report about the Washington Commanders, we talked about their stud defensive lineman, Deron Payne, signing a four-year, $30 million contract. I want to apologize for giving out that misinformation. And when I thought I saw that, I should have known that it was no way in the world that that could be true, considering that if he was on the franchise tag, he was due to make almost $19 million. So what Deron Payne actually signed for was a four-year, $90 million contract, $45 million of that guaranteed. That's a contract that makes Deron Payne the second highest defensive tackle in NFL history behind the great Aaron Donald. Remember, Deron Payne recorded 11 and a half sacks from the defensive tackle position. You're not going to get that production from just any player. And that's why the commanders knew that they had to lock this guy in. I know you have Chase Young already on this team, and he'll be due uh, a new contract here, I think, going into next summer. But it was nowhere in the world that you could let Deron Payne walk out the door when he has such a dominating 
season, and he's been that type of player since they drafted him um, as a first-round pick out of the University of Alabama a few years back. So now they've locked up uh, another one of their premier defensive players, and it's a matter of are they going to get the quarterback play from Sam Howell? Um, that's going to be on Eric Bieniemy, the new offensive coordinator, to try to get the best out of Sam Howell that he can because apparently the commanders think that Sam Howell is better than the option of going after someone like a Lamar Jackson. And I know Lamar Jackson's got to be standing back and looking at all this money that's flying around to these quarterbacks and asking himself, is he going to be in the mix for any of these jobs? I still believe that Atlanta would be a good landing spot for him. And if I were the New York Jets, I definitely would not be interested in all this shenanigans that you're having to put up with waiting for Aaron Rodgers to let you know if he wants to play football or not. To me, the longer he the longer he waits to make an announcement, that will be what would turn me off about even making a sacrifice to bring him in. Because I'm telling you right now, you're only going to get his services for one year. If you get Aaron Rodgers beyond one year, I would be shocked that he makes a two-year, a full two-year commitment. I just don't see it. And for all these football analysts that keep talking about he's better than anything they had last year, that is a well-stated fact, and it's true. But what does that mean? Are you getting Aaron Rodgers just to say that you got into the playoffs? Are you getting Aaron Rodgers because you think you can make a playoff run? If you're paying a quarterback 60, close to $60 million, I'm getting him because I think he's the missing piece to take my team over the top. And in the AFC, you have to deal with the big dog, and that would be the Kansas City Chiefs. And until someone other than Buffalo or Cincinnati possibly threatens the throne in which the Chiefs sit on, I'm not believing anybody else can come in and do that, even Aaron Rodgers. Like I've said, Aaron Rodgers has done nothing the last four years in Green Bay. And out of the last four years, three of those years, he had home field advantage in the playoffs and did actually nothing. So you think he's going to go to a New York Jets team that's starving for star power, starving for a quarterback to lead them? somewhere and you're going to put all your eggs in a basket with Aaron Rodgers that's bad stock you might as well dump it right now because it's not going to equal the value in which you're going to pay him to be in that position but keep holding your breath New York Jet fans keep holding your breath ESPN keep holding your breath NFL Network for Aaron Rodgers to sign with the Jets it's not going to be anything pretty I don't think the Jets can get out of the first round of the playoffs, even with Aaron Rodgers. Even if they make the playoffs, I just don't see it. He can't beat Patrick Mahomes. He can't beat Josh Allen. He can't beat Joe Burrow. And if you have a Tua Tagovailoa that's healthy with the defense that they're putting together in Miami, they're not going to beat Miami either. But I digress. Let's talk about some other signings that occurred today. Jesse Bates, formerly of the Cincinnati Bengals, a safety that I liked. 
he signs with the Atlanta Falcons. Patrick Peterson, formerly of the Arizona Cardinals and then of late the Minnesota Vikings, came out and said that he wanted to play for the Dallas Cowboys. Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. Once again, here you go. Sitting on the sidelines while everybody else is playing chess, you're playing checkers. And everybody else is making moves, power moves, to solidify their depth at the positions they're weak in. And that's what the Pittsburgh Steelers did. They just took Patrick Peterson off the market, two-year deal. Patrick Peterson's already saying this is going to be his last stop. He's going to be retiring, I guess, after this two-year contract. If he fulfills the two-year contract, is up with the Pittsburgh Steelers. 32 years old, savvy veteran, one of the best to ever do it, coming out of LSU. Would have been nice to have him on the other side of Trayvon Diggs. Just from an experience standpoint, so much that Trayvon could have learned playing beside a potential Hall of Fame cornerback. But we won't see that happen because, once again, the Cowboys are sitting on the sidelines with their hands in their pocket. Jerry's has no ink in his pen to write a check or he refuses to write a check to go get solid players that can help his defense or solid players that can help his team as a whole. Now, we hear that they're talking to Bobby Wagner. Remember, we had this discussion last year, but the Rams swooped in and paid Bobby Wagner $10 million last year, and then they released him this season. But Bobby Wagner had another Pro Bowl season with over 100 tackles, five sacks. Still seems to be pretty productive to me. What are you waiting for? Dan Quinn, this was your guy when you were in Seattle with the Legion of Boom. You can't twist Jerry's arm to get them to bring him in. If you're not going to sign Leighton Vanderesh, you need to get somebody as accomplished as Bobby Wagner to man the middle of your defense. You need to go and think about making a move for one of these savvy veteran wide receivers. We've already talked about Odell Beckham. What about Adam Thielen? Minnesota released Adam Thielen on Sunday. You're looking for a savvy veteran who can make catches, who can still create space on the outside. I would love to have Adam Thielen. You have an Adam Thielen. You have a CeeDee Lamb, healthy Michael Gallup. You don't know what you're going to get from Jalen Tolbert, the young receiver they drafted last year out of um, Alabama State. You can still go in the draft and draft yourself a young receiver. Uh, Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee, Cedric Tillman from Tennessee, uh, Josh Downs from the University of North Carolina. One of those guys should be available either at pick 26 or if you want to wait later in the second round. But you can get a receiver that has a little bit more speed if that's what you're still looking for. If you don't want to go after Adam Thielen, I said, why not go after D-Hop, DeAndre Hopkins? We've already discussed him. But go after somebody. Stop sitting on your laurels. Stop sitting here saying you want to sign just your guys. Go get players that are going to have an impact. And I'm saying this right now, and I mean this on March 13th. If the Dallas Cowboys do not, I repeat, do not make any type of 
headway in free agency. If they don't make any type of splash in free agency to bring anybody in that I feel like can actually help this team get to the next level to make a serious playoff run, I'm done. I can't keep pushing my chips to the middle of the table. I can't keep keeping my fingers crossed and hoping that Jerry is really going to stand by his word when he says that he wants to win another championship, that he wants another Lombardi and he's willing to do whatever it takes. He's not willing to do whatever it takes because it's too good to him to see that money rolling in that he's getting from his fan base from the from the uh, money to spending for tickets to go to, to the games, from the proceeds that are being made from the sale of merchandise. He's making too much money to care about winning another Super Bowl. He tells us that because he wants to keep us engaged, but he is not fully in like the fans are. Because if he was, he'd be making moves. Zeke's, unfortunately, his contract would be null and void. I would be moving on from Zeke. Zeke was that guy when he was that guy. But there are running backs out there. There are young running backs in this draft. And as we're hearing, as the story has come through now, you have Austin Eckler of the Los Angeles Chargers who's looking for a new home because he can't get a deal done with the Chargers. 27 years old. I know he may have some mileage on those tires. Can you imagine Austin Eckler and Tony Pollard in the same backfield? To me, Austin Eckler is a version of Darren Sproles 2.0, a little bit bigger, maybe not as quick or fast as Darren Sproles was back in the day when he's with the San Diego Chargers, but he's just as effective. He's led the league in rushing touchdowns the last 20, the last two years. 20 touchdowns last year, 18 touchdowns this past season. That's 38 touchdowns, folks, over the last two years. The productivity, 1,500 yards. I mean, he he is a, he's a machine. He's a machine. And I don't know what else you want from your running back. He doesn't have to be the, the true breadwinner. But you have him and Tony Pollard play off of one another because they both have exceptional ability. I'm sorry, Zeke's got to go. It's no point to hold on to Zeke. You don't. You can use Austin Eckler in short yardage. They talk about, well, bring Zeke back, have him as a short yardage back. You don't need him as a short yardage back. You have Malik Davis still on this roster. Let's see what he can do. The back that the undrafted back that we had from University of Florida last season. He showed some signs of being. A quality back. We told you if you still wanted to draft another running back, we have an array of backs in this in this draft coming in 2023. Bijan Robinson, the best back in this draft, may not be there, but Tulane has a nice running back that's coming out. You can take a look at. You know, so there are backs that'll be had. Also, in free agency, let's talk about a couple of backs in free. What about Kareem Hunt? We know that he's going to be in the free agent market. I haven't heard his name mentioned much. What about Kareem Hunt? I think, if I'm not mistaken, Kareem Hunt's like 27, 28 years old. Not a lot of miles on those tires. Perfect compliment, again, to Tony Pollard. He can catch the back, catch the ball out the backfield, excuse me, and an exceptional runner. And again, he has been a number one option before. Remember coming out, when he was with the Kansas City Chiefs before he had some off-field transgressions, 
he was that guy in Kansas City. And Kansas City decided to move on from him because of some off-field issues. But it wasn't because he wasn't durable. It wasn't because he wasn't productive. It's just that they felt like some things that he had done off the field was not in the best interest for them to keep him on their franchise. So they moved on. He's been productive with Cleveland, even in a backup role to Nick Chubb. And that's the other thing. You know, I've read a story where they're saying that Cleveland possibly could try to move on from Nick Chubb. Why would you want to move on from your perennial all-pro Pro Bowl running back? He's 27, 28 years old. Why would you want to move on from him? It's not like the Tennessee Titans who are doing a total rebuild and Derrick Henry is now in his 30s. And in the last year of his contract, I understand why Tennessee possibly would want to move on from Derrick Henry. I don't understand why Cleveland would want to move on from Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. To me, if you don't want to keep Nick Chubb, it seems like you would want to re-sign Kareem Hunt. You can't get rid of both of your top-tier running backs. You only have one true wide receiver for Deshaun Watson to throw the ball to, and that's Amari Cooper. Who's on the other side that's going to threaten anybody? Peoples-Jones was up and down last year. You need more consistency at the wide receiver spot. You need another true, either number two receiver or possibly even a number one, and Peoples-Jones could be your third option. But you can't get rid of all... I keep saying this. Quarterbacks need weapons. You can't keep getting rid of weapons for your quarterbacks and expect them to be productive. It just can't happen. So they need to figure this thing out. So I hope that Cleveland is smart enough to understand that they can't get rid of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Folks, this money is is flying around. So you would think that teams would find a way to try to keep their best players. But it seems like the only people that teams are willing to spend real big money on seem like it's the quarterbacks. And if it's not the quarterbacks, it's definitely somebody on the defensive side of the ball. Speaking of defensive side of the ball, Zach Allen, one of the premier defensive ends on the market, signs a big deal with the Denver Broncos. Denver is not faking. Sean Payton is coming in here to try to win a championship. Whether he can pull that off in year number one remains to be seen. But they are making some wholesale changes with the Denver Broncos. Speaking of uh, big-time defensive players, Javon Hargrave, the three-technique monster from the Philadelphia Eagles, is taking his talents to the West Coast. He's signing with the San Francisco 49ers as if they need more help on their defensive line. Four years, $84 million. You talking about a big hole that needs to be filled for Philadelphia? I know they re-signed Brandon Graham for a one-year deal, but Brandon Graham is more of an outside guy than he is in the inside. Javon Hargrave is a tone setter, is a wrecking ball. They're going to miss his presence in the middle of that defense. And, you know, we talked about how Philadelphia, you know, they had pieces in place. We know that they have, you know, draft collateral that they can use to move up possibly if they wanted to. And they can probably try to fill some of these holes with some younger players. But you can't let somebody like a Hargrave walk out the door. And not to the Bay Area, not to San Francisco, who's already provided with enough pieces, enough 
defensive jewels already with the likes of Bosa and Armstead. And now you give them Hargrave to help with those linebackers that they have with Greenlaw. It's going to be a problem, folks. You thought it was a problem this past season with their defense? Let the headaches begin now for offensive teams because you're going to have your hands full with that defense. We're going to take a small commercial break. Then we're going to come back and talk about some more things that are going on in the NFL and around the world of sports. This is Uptempo Sports 24-7. We thank you for joining us. We'll be right back. Right, welcome back to Uptempo Sports 24-7 here with Coach P. And let's continue our discussion about free agency in the NFL. The Dallas Cowboys let guard Connor McGovern walk out the door to the Buffalo Bills on a three-year deal. This was forecasted. They had already said they weren't going to match an offer for Connor McGovern. Um, it's not like Dallas has a lot of depth on their offensive lines, but I guess apparently they're going to dip into the draft hopefully to solidify this offensive line and buffalo now gives them depth on their offensive line where they had some weaknesses last year the other issue that buffalo has is they need another outside receiver to complement stefan diggs and they need a runner in the backfield so to me somebody like a jamal Williams or even kareem hunt one of those two guys would be a perfect fit in that buffalo offense I think Jamal Williams, especially because of the fact that he is such a punishing back. And that's the reason why you see Josh Allen running the ball so much because they don't have that type of running back on their roster. Devin Singletary has been a good um, change of pace back, being able to catch the ball out the backfield. But when you need those tough yards, that's why the ball is in the hands of their franchise quarterback because they trust him to pick up short yardage as opposed to one of the running backs. But I think if you go get a sledgehammer like a Jamal Williams or even somebody like Kareem Hunt who runs the ball very well and very hard, I think that Buffalo would do themselves a big favor instead of putting their franchise quarterback in arm's way if they looked at one of those two guys at the running back position. So, um... We're going to continue to have news spilling in about free agency in the NFL. We know also Buffalo, like I said, is looking for a complimentary receiver to Stephon Diggs. Remember, they flirted with OBJ last year, but he was still hurt. So let's see if they dip back into that fishbowl for an opportunity to put Odell opposite Stephon Diggs. That would be. Um, an early Christmas present for Josh Allen for sure. And I'm sure the AFC would not want to see that combination, especially if Odell is healthy along with Stefan Diggs. Nobody wants to see that. So we're going to keep an eye out and keep you as informed as we possibly can as these free agent signings are just coming 
fast and furious. But let's slide for a moment over to the NBA. And I wanted to just uh, piggyback off something I talked about in a previous podcast about Draymond Green and Dylan Brooks. I said that uh, Draymond was trying to make a point to Dylan Brooks that you all had not won anything yet. So I don't know why you all flex up every time you all play us. Basically, what I wanted to say was, was that Draymond was letting them know that you're not a rival. You all talk about Jaron Jackson made a point last year to say that the Memphis Grizzlies were a dynasty. You can't be a dynasty until you start winning championships. And that's what Draymond has been trying to tell players on this Grizzlies team in the last two years. You guys do a lot of trash talking. Guys do a lot of beating of your chest. But you have no you have no jewelry to support it. You have no trophies in your trophy case to show that you got championships. And that's what Draymond's basically been saying. That's what he was trying to tell Dylan Brooks the other night when they got into it. Um, with their verbal exchanges that number one, until you all start winning championships, you're not a dynasty. And number two, until you start having jewelry on your fingers and in your trophy case, you have no legacy and we have no rivalry. So stick, stay in your lane and play basketball is basically what Draymond was telling Dylan Brooks. And we've heard now that we don't know when John Morant is going to return. Um, It appears as though he's in some type of rehab counseling facility in Florida. We wish him all the best when he returns. We hope he returns as the spectacular player, um, perennial superstar that we know he can be. But until he gets his personal issues straightened out, it's in his best interest and the best interest of the Memphis Grizzlies to let this young man grow and to let him get the help that he needs so that he can be not only the player that the organization wants him to be, but he can be the man that he needs to be not only for himself, not only for him, for his family, but for his young daughter. So we wish John Morant all the best. And we're going to stay in the NBA with another story. And we want to talk about what, Nikko Jokic did yesterday in a losing effort against the Brooklyn Nets. The Joker, 35 points, 20 rebounds, 11 assists, two blocks, two steals in a 120-122 defeat at the hands of the Brooklyn Nets. And you say that this man shouldn't be the front runner for his third MVP? I know Joel Embiid, the last, probably like the last week or so, has been on a tear. And that includes a game-winning shot against the Portland Trailblazers at home. But you can't deny these numbers that the Joker is putting up. So anybody that wants to complain about the fact that he shouldn't get a third straight MVP, you're not watching basketball. And if you're watching basketball, you're definitely not watching what the Joker is doing. Because... Although he may not have an NBA trophy on his mantle yet, he is definitely showing us that at some point when his career ends, he's going to be Hall of Fame worthy. And that that you can take to the bank. There's no question about it. He has been everything you would want in an MVP 
and the Denver Nuggets would not be in the position that they're in without the way he's played. Speaking of losses and big losses, the Lakers. We just talked about how the Lakers in their last 11 games were 8 for 11, 8 out of 11. And the play of Anthony Davis had been extraordinary. You dropped a big game last night at home to a New York Knicks team that had been, if I'm not mistaken, 0-4 on the road. They had just come off a loss to the Clippers um, on Friday night, if I'm not mistaken. And then you lose last night. Anthony Davis not having a good game. Um, D'Angelo Russell doing all he can to put the Lakers on his back. Still without LeBron. This is a big, big season for Anthony Davis, folks. I really believe that the Lakers are going to look to do something in the offseason this summer, depending upon how far they're able to advance if they're able to make it into the playoffs. 14 games left, if I'm not mistaken, in the season. I don't believe that LeBron will make it back before the end of the season. I know he's supposed to be reevaluated, I think, sometime later next week. But they need every game. They can't afford to give away games. And last night was a game that they should have had. Jalen Brunson still out with, I think, what is considered to be a stress fracture in his foot. He's in a walking boot. And uh, Julius Randle actually had a good game last night for the Knicks, along with um, uh, the point guard from Kentucky, Emmanuel Quickly, who has, since he's been in the starting lineup, has been performing at a high level and the Knicks have needed his numbers because of the point production that they have lacked with Jalen Brunson being out of the starting lineup. So the Lakers took a big L last night. They, there's no way that they should have lost this game. But again, Anthony Davis has to be that guy, there's no other way to describe it. He's got to be that guy. And he's got 14 games left on in a regular season to show the Lakers if he is worth them holding on to this summer. I honestly believe that if the Lakers can get quality return for the services of Anthony Davis, I think they're going to shop him this summer. That's That's what I believe. I think a lot of people are on the same page with me. They believe that. And we're going to see because you can't have a guy who, with the talent that he has, be so inconsistent. And, you know, one of the reasons why he's been inconsistent is because he's been unavailable due to injuries. But they need him in this 14-game stretch. They need him to be available. They need him to play at an all-star level. That's the only way they can hold on and possibly try to move up from that ninth spot to get out of the area of having to play the play-in game in order for them to try to get into the playoffs. That's where we are right now. So it's 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 on it's on the Lakers. It's on it's what they want at this particular point. Do they really want it? Everybody's going to have to show up and show out. Because, like I said, they're in a position where they can't afford to give any games away. That time has passed. And so they need to get every victory 
that's coming up in this 14-game stretch, they need to get every one of these games if they want to be a playoff team. Let's move on and let's talk about college basketball for a second. I want to say congratulations to Mighty Mouse. For those who don't know who Mighty Mouse is, that would be Damian Stoudemire, the former All-American guard from Arizona, who went on to have a 13-year career in the NBA. He was the Rookie of the Year, the year he was drafted by the Toronto Raptors. Um, he's been a coach on both the collegiate and pro level. He was just an assistant coach with the Boston Celtics before taking his job at Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech is a proud college basketball franchise. They, under the guidance of Bobby Crimmins, one of the best coaches during his time in Atlanta Coast Conference, he was always able to recruit a superstar point guard. If it wasn't Kenny Anderson, it was Stephon Marbury. So hopefully with Damian Stoudemire, they're looking for those days to return. Remember, we also have Mark Price that was at Georgia Tech. Damian Stoudemire was a pretty good point guard himself at Arizona where he was an All-American. And so I'm sure that Georgia Tech has high hopes that he can return their program around. And if nothing else, he'll be able to recruit guards. Because like I said, he was a pretty darn good guard himself at the University of Arizona. So congratulations to Damon Stoudemire. Hopefully, and I'm sure the fans of Georgia Tech are hoping that he can turn their fortunes around as well. Um, while we're in college basketball, I just want to talk about this real quick. I know that they say that people should get a second chance in life. We all are guilty of making mistakes. No one, none of us are without our flaws. But when you give an opportunity, when you're given an opportunity, like a lot of these coaches are given, to make the kind of money that they're making at these universities, and you go out and you do things that are not representative of the school, not representative of the team as the head coach. I really sometimes am torn about whether you should get an opportunity at that level again. And I'm, I'm speaking on behalf of what's going on at Ole Miss. So Ole Miss is great to sign Chris Beard as their next head coach. It doesn't seem as though Texas has skipped a beat since they fired Chris Beard. They won the Big 12. They routed Kansas. They have a pretty good seed going into this NCAA tournament. And for me, as someone who has not coached on a collegiate level, but I am a, a basketball coach. I coach. I know the game. Our job as a basketball coach is not only to be a coach to these young men that we have the opportunity to coach, but to be a mentor as well and to set an example. And how can these institutions of higher learning, how are you 
setting an example by hiring these these men and putting them in place with the transgressions that they have on their record. This man beat his fiance. He bit his fiance. And now he has another opportunity at a major university to be a head coach. So what kind of message are you delivering to your basketball team that it's okay to do things that are wrong because society is going to give you another chance because you're playing sports? The same opportunities that are given in the world of sports are not given, in every, are not given to people in everyday life. That's the one thing that we need to make quite apparent. Because if this was any other job besides a job in sports, he would not be getting another opportunity this quickly. I can guarantee you that. And for the amount of money that they're paying these coaches now, it's just ridiculous that you, as a representative of the university and a person in the seat that you have, you have to be more responsible for the position that you're in. And you should be held to a higher level of responsibility because at the end of the day, you are leading a group of men. And if we always talk about leadership starts at the top, well, it starts on the sidelines. You're the coach. You're the face of the basketball program. If it starts with you and you're not going to represent the university in the way that it should be represented, then how are you going to expect, how can you hold these young men to a certain standard if you yourself can't hold your own self to a certain standard? That's the problem that I have. If you dismiss a player for discipline reasons, and let's say the player decided he wanted to say something back about your past transgressions, what can you say? There's not going to be a whole lot you can really say. You want to say you were innocent? There's no way you can say you're innocent. The, the situation happened. Your fiance backtracked after she realized that it was going to jeopardize your job and the contract and the amount of money you were going to make. But the situation happened. And if, because if it didn't happen, she wouldn't have been calling the police. If it didn't happen, she wouldn't be showing the things that you did to her. Again, we all make mistakes. But when you're in a position of leadership like this and you're leading young men, you have to set a better example. And I just think that the these institutions of higher learning, they need to start looking at themselves when they do some of this hiring. There's so many coaches out here. So many guys that are deserving of head coaching jobs that have grinded as assistant coaches. Some head coaches that are looking for a second opportunity somewhere. They don't have these scars on their resume. They don't have these black marks on their resume. They deserve a second opportunity. Not always given to a guy because of a name or something that he's done in his past. I'm not saying that Chris Beard is not a good coach. He appears to be. He's won wherever he's been. But is it always got to be about winning when we give jobs, when jobs are given to these coaches? Can we also bring in some integrity as well? Because at the end of the day, if we're not going to hold these adults, which are the head coaches, to be responsible, then how can you sit here and throw the book at a 17, 18, 19-year-old? How can you hold them to a different standard than you're going to hold 
a person who's supposed to represent your university? How can you hold the student body or the student athlete at a higher level of responsibility than you're going to have the man that's patrolling the sidelines? But I digress. As we close out this episode of Uptempo Sports 24-7, thanks again for checking in with us. Just want to say, um, forgot to mention this yesterday, but I want to just say RIP to legendary head coach Bud Grant of the Minnesota Vikings. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I have been a Dallas Cowboy fan since I was 10 years old, but I also had an affinity for the Minnesota Vikings. I was a big Chuck Foreman fan, a former running back of the Minnesota Vikings, Alan Page, Jim Marshall, and of course, Fran Tarkenton. Those were my guys. And Bud Grant on the sideline. Bud Grant to me reminded me of Tom Landry. Always professional, that stoic look when they stood on the sidelines. Those were the pictures of what the coaches looked like back in the early 70s when I first started watching football. Bud Grant got the Minnesota Vikings to the Super Bowl four times. Unfortunately, they weren't able to win a championship, but that should not take away from his resume as being one of the not only greatest coaches to walk the sidelines, but even a better person by all accounts. So just want to say um, our condolences to the Minnesota Vikings organization, and of course to uh, Bud Grant's family. Rest in peace, coach. And as we close this session of Uptempo Sports Out, we just want to say everybody stay safe. Peace and blessings to everybody. Until the next.